You are now listening to Soundspace, the podcast where we interview experts and professionals in the space of sound. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of Soundspace, a brand new podcast starting in 2022. I am joined with my fantastic co-host, audio engineer, Anthony Cacci. How are you? I'm doing great, man. How are you? Very good. Very excited to kick off this brand new podcast with you. This has been a project Same. in the works for a very long time. Absolutely. And it's overdue. Yes. 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 We've been talking about this for a while and I'm so glad we're finally getting started with it. Yes. I could, I could not agree uh, more. Uh, this podcast is going to be one where Anthony and I discuss audio related things with guests every episode. This very first episode is going to be about our origin stories. Thus, we'll not have a guest. We but, are the guests. Uh, for, <laughs> we are the guests on our own uh, show. But uh, further on, we will have audio engineers, musicians, performers, composers, sound designers, mixers, people from all across the audio domain guesting every episode. And we will be interviewing them once a month. January will be the only month with two episodes because we'll be dropping this one and one with our very first guest, Casey Poshis, which we will get to towards the end of this episode. Okay. What's uh what sound space to you? How did this idea come? Let's just kind of intro more details for the people, Anthony. Um, well, I, I think we should back up a little bit and say where we started, where we met, and why we are here. Of course. Um, so you and I met in university in an audio program called Electroacoustics. And yes, this is yeah, true. And um, you know, we just we just clicked, we became friends, and I mean this idea always kind of like bounced around from time to time we should start yes. a podcast we should or we should do something you know um talking about audio given that we're so enthused about it and we have passion exactly and we have some yeah exactly a lot of passion about it um so i think that's more or less where it started so we met in the electroacoustic program at concordia like yeah. he, like anthony just mentioned and uh this is a program at uh, concordia university that uh I started in 2017. I believe, uh, Anthony, you started in 2016, correct? That's exactly it, yeah. Yes. And uh, right from the get-go, uh, this program really uh, joined people who have a passion for audio together. And uh, we really analyzed audio. Um, and we had a lot of conversations. And audio just became a, a topic of interest even more. And uh, now it's uh, forged into our careers. And so this podcast is really a way to express that to people out there who are thinking of maybe joining audio, who have an interest in audio, who are a professional. It's for everyone. We are obviously uh, audio juniors here. We're starting out. We're in our 20s. Uh, we recently finished school. Yep. Uh, during the pandemic, and uh, now we are starting our careers. Uh, we'll be going over all of our all of that in detail. So we're really, uh, really excited to be interviewing these people from different uh, sectors of audio and media production. Let's maybe start with uh, your uh, origin story, Anthony, and then we can get into mine. Yeah, sure. When did uh, music uh, start uh, to become of importance to you? Let's really go down the line with everything, and uh, please uh, give us all of the juicy details. Um. Well, when I was younger, I always I was always really interested in music and instruments. Uh, I've always asked my parents for a set of drums, and they never gave me uh, that set of drums. So I would just go around the house using like pots and pans, trying to make drums and instruments out of that. But past that, it truly started when I was around eleven or twelve years old. Um, I really, I had really young. Yeah, yeah, pretty young. Um, I had a friend who was into DJing. And I thought that was the coolest thing ever. And I asked him, can I just 
watch you DJ one night or whatever. And uh, he's like, yeah, of course, of course. And one night I went to, uh, it was a house party. It was, uh, I think it was a sweet 16 in somebody's basement. Like it doesn't really matter. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. One of those. So like he gave me the, the, the turntables, the deck, and he's like, go make a mix. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, go for it. I'm like, I can't do that. You know, I, I just, I'm too nervous. I never did this before. He's like, don't worry about it. You know, we're all friends here. Nobody's going to judge you. And I loved it. I loved it. And for a while, I started DJing with my friend. His name is Michael. And uh, eventually, I started DJing more and more and more. Uh, he stopped, but I continued. I continued. And um, that led me to being interested in creating my own music rather than just right. mixing other people's music. I'm like, I, I want to... I want to do something like I want to create something like this. So um, I was very in inspired by artists like Benny Benassi. Um, well, Benny Benassi was the biggest one for me. Okay. So I, I tried, I downloaded um, FL Studio, like the demo version, and uh, I just started making music, horrible music, like very badly. But um, <laughs> yeah, but it was good. It was fun. Like even though it was, it was terrible, I loved it. And I even like created a YouTube account and I posted my terrible music and even though there were some bad responses, obviously, because a 12-year-old kid knowing nothing about music, posting his crappily mixed track, I did get some encouragement from friends and, and family and nothing else mattered. That, that really pushed me to go further. So I, you know, I created my a SoundCloud account. I tried to learn more about mixing, right, about okay. production. Right, okay, very interesting, very yeah. interesting. Then from there, you know, I never stopped making music and never stopped DJing, but I went to university, uh, I went, sorry, I went to CJEB in a different program. I kind of just abandoned audio for a little while, but I decided after my CJ program that what I was doing was a lot of fun. It was digital imaging, 2D and 3D animation. But, you know, I kept going back to, I love audio. Why am I not pursuing that? Why am I doing this digital imaging program? So I was looking when it was time to apply to university, I was looking through programs and I found Concordia's electroacoustic program. And I had, I have to be honest, I had no idea what electroacoustic was. So I went to like right. one or two, I definitely went to two open houses. So I went to open house. I tried to figure it out what it was. I spoke to some of the professors, some of the students. I'm like, this is really cool. So I gave my shot. I applied to the program and they told me what they're looking for in a portfolio. I went out, I created my portfolio. I did, I think, three 10 minute electroacoustic compositions and submitted and Hope. Wow, yours were 10 minutes yeah. long. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Actually, um, my application to Concordia was my last assignment in my CJ program. So what I did really? was, yeah, I, I told my, my teachers, I want to apply to this program. Is there a way I can integrate the drawing aspect, the, the audio aspect into my assignment? And they're like, absolutely. So what I did mm -hmm. was I, it was a, an exhibition, an installation, sorry. And I created the a sound installation. It was a sound installation. So what I did was okay. I created the three compositions. I can't remember what they're called anymore. But what I did was I brought my speakers from home, my, uh, my monitors. I put them in a dark room. It was a pretty dark a pretty small room it was um maybe the size of a janitor's closet or something like that and um i placed a, a large white paper and a, a marker made people go inside the room listen to the the sounds and draw what they heard this assignment got me into concordia university whoa wait, 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 wait. like they, they what did he draw it on exactly like what was Get, so, so yeah get more detail about that yeah so um i had this large i don't remember the dimension of the paper but it was it was pretty large it was probably like one foot by two feet and okay. there was 
just a regular marker, black marker. And given, keep in mind, they're completely in the dark. So they cannot see what they're drawing. They're just using their ears. And with their marker, they're just drawing what they hear. And what I did with these is I took all these drawings and I was very interested in how each person perceived the sound. They interpreted the sound. So that was very interesting mm -hmm. to me. That was my final assignment. And what I did was I actually, I have them right in front of me right now. I, I framed some of them. I took a few samples because there were many. There was I remember hundreds. this when I've been to your place. Yes. Okay. That's you, what that you know is. what I'm talking okay, about. I see. Yeah. That's that. Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. That's what that is. Um, very cool. That was really, I was very proud of that. When I thought of the idea, when I created it and the final product, it was just amazing for me. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's what got me into the electroacoustic program. So you get into the electroacoustic program at Concordia. And yeah. what's the experience like? Obviously, we met there and we collaborated a lot. But uh, other yeah. than that, uh, what were the classes like? What was the environment like? What kinds of projects did you undertake? Right. So the program was incredible. And getting into the program, I saw there were so many talented people. Yeah. I, I, I thought I was, you know, I, I knew I was good. But once you meet people that are so incredibly talented, it just it's so overwhelming. Um, so of course, I uh, I quickly tried to make uh, as many friends as possible in the program, you know, learning from other people, learning tricks and tips. And I love the classes because especially at the beginning, there were each week was a new subject uh, and it always stayed interesting. So, for example, uh, one week we we're talking about what is sound like, OK, no, obviously the entire program is what is sound. But um, for example, one week we we're talking about the ears, the eardrum, and then we we're talking about reverb and then we we're talking about the speaker uh, and the physics of it so it was constantly staying interesting uh and we also had so many great 100%. assignments yeah we we had um, an amazing studio that we were allowed to practice and i remember doing my first assignment in the program where we had this busted up piano um and we we needed to take some take a microphone or two or as many as we wanted and just get our audio source from that piano so i just set up a microphone Sorry, I set up two microphones. I think they were condenser microphones. I can't remember which ones I used at the time. But um, I just grabbed my shoe and just whipped it at that piano. <laughs> and for like 10 <laughs> minutes straight, I was just throwing things at the piano. Uh, and I got as much source material as I possibly could. After right. about 10, 12 minutes of recording, I stopped and uh, I took a listen to what I got. And I quickly realized that 12 minutes of audio source is potentially like a month's worth of audio in editing and processing and it's a lot uh because yes, you, there's so much you can do with with just a small s source of uh, of sound imagine what you can do with 10 minutes and so the editing was definitely very long but needless to say the, the assignment turned out pretty cool it was a lot of fun yeah the electroacoustic program was sprinkled no, the, the, with all these types of compositional yeah, yeah. assignments I, I meant the assignment yeah, but yeah of course, of the course. program in general of course what about you uh for me i mean we can definitely get to to my experience with the electroacoustic program in my uh part yeah. of my story so we can save that for now but like other than the other than that the uh you obviously got accepted graduated from the uh electroacoustic program but furthermore you continue to be active with your compositions let's maybe talk about like the fact that you on top of being a full-time student there yeah. for uh, multiple years you were also djing and writing compositions on the side let's talk about like what those projects were outside of the electroacoustic program um so yeah i was still djing that's basically that was my job i was making my side money from djing on the weekends so outside of school i was just at bars and pubs mixing music uh and then 
on my free time because I didn't have that much as much free time uh, once I started university. I would mm -hmm. create my own tracks from time to time, uh, and I would try to learn, apply some of the techniques I learned in class to my own tracks. Mm -hmm. So I was definitely still making music, but you know, I was never really too big on posting them. I was too shy or embarrassed or. I don't know what, mm -hmm. but I, I still was applying the knowledge that I learned from my classes and from my friends uh, in the program to my tracks. Yeah, you did. But you eventually did post those songs, right? Like uh, you, I remember you, you, you came out with an artist page and you, you put out a track on Spotify. It did really well in terms of yeah. uh, people's comments and everything. What, let's maybe talk about that. What's the yeah. song? What's your artist name? Like, let's get into that side of your uh, yeah. Uh, for sure. Music. Well, uh, the, my song on Spotify, I actually just have one song on Spotify. Um, and that was posted the beginning of the pandemic. So I think it was in March 2020. I That's where I created my Spotify account and posted my first track. But I certainly was posting on my SoundCloud page from time to time. And it was some of it was original tracks. Some of it was remixes. And, you know, I, there was a whole thing about remixes being taken down because of copyright issues so that, yeah. that was part of a reason where I, I kind of just gave up on on remixes altogether but my my, my track on I've spotify that that's you've had that issues for sure uh, i yeah. think yeah. most of us have come across some sort of copyright issue in those terms mm -hmm. but as for my my track on spotify it's called cyber friends and the artist name catchy so c-a-c-i this is this was more like an electronica down tempo ish track and i called it cyber friends because well the peak of the pandemic everybody was communicating through you know social media right and then eventually i changed my name from catchy to akachi so a-c-a-c-i instead of c-a-c-i because i quickly noticed after posting my first track i quickly noticed that there was an art another artist called catchy i think it was like a reggaeton group so to avoid complications and confusion i just changed it and uh akachi is just short for my my name anthony catchy right so after graduating from university uh i actually graduated during the pandemic so i actually never received a graduation because i i graduated in uh right at the beginning of the, the lockdown. Uh, right. After that, I, I got a job at, as a webinar technician. So actually I got the job, the job was created mostly because of the pandemic. So at that job, I was, I was just recording some professionals from home. I was working remotely, so that was a lot of fun. And what we would do is eventually produce these videos and at a later date, we would have um, a live event, which I would broadcast using OBS. Yes, open broadcasting studio for the, for the yeah. people. Yes, yes, you are. And I think that that's such a good place to be right now. Uh, the streaming side of the internet has blown up because of the pandemic. I think that the securing a, a job as a webinar technician is fantastic and it has a lot of longevity. Yeah, for sure. And I'm looking forward to once things start opening up, again going to actual in-person events because right. before before this before the pandemic this company that i work for would just send their work their employees to you know other cities other countries to record and to set up the audio equipment for um these medical events so i'm looking forward to more live stuff like an, an audio visual technician yeah exactly of course, of course. yeah very cool very cool 
And so now you are on this podcast with me, and we That's will it. be taking over the world of audio one episode at a time. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Very cool, man. I mean, I think that your your story is one with a, a good, good start with a good educational foundation. Uh, I could definitely relate to doing a program and then being like, what am I doing here? Why am I here? I want to do audio. I want to do music. I definitely relate to that. Yeah. So, you know, kudos to you. Kudos to you for sure. Thank you. No problem. I guess I guess this is the the part where we hop on to to my to you? story. Yeah. Question mark. Yes. Definitely. Okay. Uh, I'm looking forward to hearing your your side. The origin yeah, of giant. You definitely don't know it. <laughs> <laughs> no, sure. this is for the the people. <laughs> this is for the people. Um. So my story starts back to 2008. I start in terms of music and audio. I started uh, playing guitar at a guitar club in my junior high school in the eighth grade. And that's really where my uh, curiosity for music kicked off. We would do these uh, performances every every uh, month. We would have concerts and I would learn, a, you know, typical, typical song, a twinkle, twinkle, little star, like boring stuff like that. And uh, right away, I fell in love with guitar. Guitar became an instrument that I loved. And uh, with time, I started acquiring new guitars for myself, uh, a, a drum set, a piano, you know, with my little side money from uh, working uh, at a grocery store. And people would start to notice that I would play in, uh, in talent shows and I would have uh, equipment at my house. People were like, oh, let's start a band. So I started making bands in high school here and there. Nothing serious. Um, I, st- I tried singing. Uh, I never was a really good singer, but I just enjoyed performing vocally. Uh, but definitely was told by a lot of people, like, bro, just just stick to guitar. This singing thing is not for you. Um, really? But uh, it's okay. Yeah, yeah. I I, um, I persevered, and uh, now I perform vocals for another group. Uh, we'll get that into in a minute. Um, and so yeah, I made bands in high school and uh, started recording songs on uh, the first you the first die ever used was a uh, Magic Music Maker. I think it was called that. It was the most basic thing, and I recorded the two EPs on the internet that are there forever. If you do your digging, you will find them, and you I, I recommend you not look. To find them because they are not uh, quality, but they are what I could do at the time. And with time, uh, I started a YouTube channel and because all these bands weren't working and they were kind of just falling apart. I was like, oh, man, why am I doing this with other people? I, I'm going to do this with people I know can like stick to music and are passionate about music. And I looked around me and all I could find was myself. So I was like, well, let's just do a YouTube channel. I started my YouTube channel in 2011 and I've been doing it since. Uh, it's been 10 years now. I've been a YouTuber and, uh, you know, at first, it was original rap songs. It was uh, song covers. And with time, I started getting better and better. And uh, now, what my channel looks like is I have uh, multiple projects that, that cycle through it. I, I would describe the YouTube channel as a anime-based channel. The bread and butter content over there is anime. And what I mean by that is that uh, every week, you will either get a song cover from an anime or a podcast about anime called Anime Podcasters. Uh, this is a show that I produce myself i'm basically the entire production team over there i host i edit i mix i master and that podcast drops two episodes every month and uh, it's done great it's finally monetized and it's uh, rolling pretty well in terms of audio streams and uh, i do that with a buddy of mine called hotshot and uh, i collaborate with the visuals with someone else called gopro kio who also does the visuals for this podcast so definitely go give at gopro kio a follow i'm so used to plugging him because i've been plugging him for years yeah. um and so that's a that's anime podcasters, which actually Anthony, you were a guest on back uh, back last year, I think, or this uh, year, last, last year, year yeah, technically for the, definitely 
Yeah, that was fun. It was episode 101, and it was Anime 101 introducing anime to Anthony. And uh, Anthony has watched so many series of anime since. <laughs> I still have not seen and, another uh, episode. <laughs> I know, I know, it's, which is the best thing. Um, and so, yeah, that's the bread and butter content. Uh, the channel has grown to a size that, you know, it, it fluxes here and there, you know, a couple of thousand subscribers. Where it works really well is uh, over on Spotify. The, the Jaya Music page uh, hovers around 20,000 to 19,000 monthly listeners, which is ridiculous. Uh, one of the tracks is almost at 500,000 streams wow. as uh, as this will be posted. Uh, recently, the, the overall page has crossed a million streams in total. It's uh, it's That's the most popular success I've had with my music at this point, I would say. Um, and and then, other than that, uh, I have two original music projects. Uh, the first one is called Chip Machine that started out in 2014. It is a uh, it started out as an 8-bit music, chiptune music uh, project. And we have one album that's chiptune music. It's like a bunch of Pokemon song covers. And uh, another album that's just self-titled Chip Machine. And it's just more 8-bit music covers. Uh, horribly mixed. Uh you will hear the limiter the whole time because that was the mastering process. And after that, uh, in the uh, electroacoustic program, I uh, redefined that project uh, and it became an experimental electroacoustic music one. I released uh, two EPs uh, with that one called Electroacoustic Chip and Laptop Orchestra, which was based on a class offered at the Concordia. Yep. And then uh, one of the albums was called The Sound Painter. And that's a collaboration between myself and Anthony. We did uh, a 12-song album of uh, pretty, I would say, what? like eight to ten minute songs of uh, electroacoustic music yeah more or less Some, somewhere yeah somewhere between there and, and the, the great thing about electroacoustic music is that composing electroacoustic music in a pandemic is very easy because we just ship source material back and forth to each other and i just audio suite the the schnizzles out, out of it and uh i have all of these weird plugins i am a uh, known to anthony as a big purchaser of plugins i we, we can get definitely get into that but uh, i have a, a library that's way too large um that's true so yeah, that's yeah way it's too true, true. <laughs> way too true uh, i'm always telling him oh yo this this the 30 off this and blah 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 plug in alliance sales i'm the worst though like you would send me genuinely great deals and i'd be like that's great and then i forget about it and i just yeah i, I don't <laughs> understand that I don't that's my bad that, but it is what that's it my is. bad yeah it, it happens it happens um and uh, with chip machine i also do something called the drone cast which is a an hour-long drone podcast that i do once a month it's currently on pause because as i am uh, recording this episode the special gram ghost which is another album i've done uh will be releasing very soon and it's that's another uh, solo electroacoustic album i did with chip machine it's a uh, 10 songs it's shorter songs and it's a darker vibe that's uh, what i can say for that so that's chip machine in a sense and then i have another music project a rap hip-hop music project called lunatic rappers which i started back in 2015 2014 as well that project's released three eps one album and now we're more in a mode where we're dropping singles and remixes uh, that's kind of what it's going to look like in 2022 and it's a, a production i do with two other guys one's called uh by stage name goes by acr who is a vocalist who uh kills it vocally one of the best rappers i've ever recorded every time his verse flops on it's like whoa this guy this guy could spit for real and then we have someone else called under god that goes by their stage name who is the a beat maker and vocalist and i really handled a, a, a i do vocals as well but i handle the engineering the mixing and the mastering process there obviously uh chip machine is also a one-man show so i ha handle all that technical aspect as well and uh yeah in terms of personal projects that's uh all me going back to 2014 i started a program i studied uh in uh, algonquin college at ottawa called music industry arts 
And Music Industry Arts was a year-long audio program that ran three semesters, a fall, a winter, and a summer one. And you really got to learn a lot about uh, the world of the music industry with studio-based classes, recording classes, music business classes, music theory classes, music entrepreneurship classes. And it was very complete. It really like prepared me and set my expectations as to like what my life would look like. You know, We had a wonderful equipment to work with. Uh, we had an SSL duality console. If you're an SSL person, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And uh, you understand how lucky I was to work on it. Wonderful outboard gear, a great collection of microphones. And we got to do uh, recording projects every semester. Some of the guests that will be on are other people who did the program. So I, I will save that conversation for those specific episodes. Um, and then after that, right after graduation, I got really lucky and did an audiovisual internship in uh, France. There I did uh, location audio. I did camera work. I did uh, different uh, uh, stage shows, uh, like teardowns and setups for shows. It was one of the best experiences of my life. And it, it was uh, one that, how can I say prepared me even more like you know it's like you study it and then you live yeah. it back to back so you really are immersed in it you know what to expect really yeah that's perfect that's what you need you know yeah a hundred percent a hundred thousand percent and uh from there uh after doing the internship i really uh switched up my production style you know um i started realizing what kind of content i want to do and i became an anime channel that's was this was in 2016 and then i was also in the process of uh applying for the electroacoustic program so from gatineau which is about two hours away from montreal where i where is where i live now i uh met uh, the head of the program of the electroacoustic program eldad sabari and um he made me visit the facilities. Um, he showed me uh, what electroacoustic music was. He uh, really gave me an idea of what to expect with the program. And uh, I started informing myself, you know, like, what do graduates from the program, where do they work, where do they end up? You know, oh, some end up in studios and theaters. And I was like, okay, these are places I can see myself in. So I knew this was the right place for me. Yeah. And I applied, got accepted, freaked out, could not believe it. And uh, it was uh, a great start to a great story. Uh, the electroacoustic That's program awesome. is... Yeah. Actually, Eldad was it, it is uh, was the same for me. Uh, it was Eldad who introduced me to the program when I went to Open House. Yeah, Eldad is a fantastic individual. Amazing human being. Really, yeah, hu amazing human be being who really like uh, shows you the ways of the electroacoustic music uh, in classes and in interactions in the hallway. And uh, a lot of his uh, teachings, I I still use to this day. You know, great, 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 great teacher. Um, and yeah, I. I the electroacoustic program for me was very short because I had transfer credits from a previous uh, degree. I did what I would like to call the electroacoustic speed run, which is uh, I finished the program in 20 months. I got a major in electroacoustic studies and I got out. It was literally five semesters in a row. Fall, winter, summer, fall, winter, I'm out. That's it. And the reason why I did that is because I knew that I could do it. I knew that I had the energy for it. I knew that I did the, uh, the music industry arts program, which was tough, which was stressful. I knew what it was like to sweat in an audio assignment, so I knew I could do it. So going through it, I learned a lot, and it uh, really set me up to understand audio in a, a much more precise way. Uh, I really think that uh, doing music industry arts and then electroacoustic studies prepares you fantastically for your career in, in, in audio. And after completing the electroacoustic program so quickly, I wanted to specialize myself, and that's where I did a graduate diploma in film music at UCAM, and we will also be having guests from uh, this program on the yeah. podcast. So once again, I will save the details of that uh, for those episodes. But it was a fantastic year-long program, two semesters, where we really got into the nitty-gritty of uh, film music, film music history, film music composition, uh, compositional tools. Uh, we saw mixing, we saw mastering, we saw the different uh, styles of compositions from different film composers. It was a very complete program that I enjoyed. That 
was basically when the pandemic hit. And when the pandemic hit, an opportunity came across my Facebook timeline that I could not, I couldn't, I couldn't refuse. A very popular, very big studio in Montreal, uh, I would say, if not the biggest studio in, in this metropolitan, was looking for an audio assistant, an intern. An audio assistant is basically the lowest tier entry into a studio. It's basically run around like a crazy person, recording sessions, cleaning. And I, I did this all through 2020. I did this for like almost a whole year. Um, it was a fantastic experience i worked on some huge productions for tv voiceovers bands famous artists and this was like a, a big studio in the city that i put the name on my resume and since then the people are like oh yeah i know that place like i it's it's a popular popular place uh, that uh, has uh, worked on uh, massive productions yeah. uh, that i was extremely lucky to be a part of and anthony yeah, was even sure. uh i, I remember through a couple of times yeah i remember yeah. when you, you you called me up one day and you're like hey man come to this address i'm like that's a studio so like, yeah come to this address like, what are you doing there he said and you told me that you're working there and i was freaking out it blew my mind <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I know. I, I kept it hush-hush for like the first month because I didn't want anyone to know. And then yeah. basically when the studio was dead, I was uh, I was told, you know, if you want to just have people come and just record, and obviously you you don't you do not do anything with the recordings. They, they go in the trash bin after, but just to practice, do it, you know? And so Anthony was one person that I obviously wanted to share this with. And so I, I remember calling you. I was like, yeah, come to this address. Yeah. Like, That's the studio. That's a big studio in the city. What, what are you doing there? <laughs> and I was like, just come through. He's like, okay, let me go grab my laptop and I'll come back. I was like, you don't need your laptop. <laughs> just come straight here uh, i remember you were biking i don't know where and you just like turned around and yeah. came directly yeah there. actually the studio wasn't too far from from my place from where i lived so uh i just yeah i went over um and so yeah you you came over you you got to, to see the studio experience and i really got to learn a lot there it was uh basically paid schooling as far as i'm concerned and i the fact that i landed this during a pandemic was a huge deal too because when the pandemic hit like live audio died uh, i had opportunities in live audio offered to me that just like got swept under my feet that uh, bugged me big time and uh i ended up here and so when i i landed there i was like this is basically gonna become my life and i was there every day i slept there most of the time i worked like a crazy person and uh, i learned so much and uh, my ears my workflow you know really improved it was like basically the culmination of all of my studies into this place you know because the thing is when you when you study all these programs and people see that you have a lot of education they're like but but can he apply it can he like be a technical person i'm sure you can write about a compressor but can you get this pro compressor to work to sound fantastic on this vocalist you know it's two different things knowing and applying are two different things For and sure. having them happen so close to one another really helped me uh hone my skills in that domain and so, yeah. And so uh, late last year, I left that studio. And now I currently work doing location audio for a big broadcast company in Canada. And I also do camera assistant work for them. I'm a video technician. So sometimes I get called to record interviews and sometimes I get called to light uh, light up stars, you know? You know, television stars is what I meant. I'm not actually throwing a, a light to the sky. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, that that takes up most of my uh, most of my weeks, uh, and uh, it's a fantastic, fantastic job that I am so grateful for. I also edit audiobooks on the side for a post production facility. I work freelance uh, as an audio engineer. Uh, I have my own personal clientele that uh, I, I uh, have a contract here and there every month. And then uh, I obviously continue to create content on YouTube. So yeah, that's a, basically an overview of everything I've uh, worked on and, and done. That's my background. Bit of a studio person, bit of a location audio person, a bit of a content creator, bit of a composer. I've done sound design for projects. It, it hops around, you know. If you visit giantmusic.com, not trying to plug, but you'll get a an idea of what I've worked on and and what I've done. Yeah, and your your discography is is very impressive. Thank the you. fact that you're you're able to manage and and juggle all of these projects all at the same time is um 
Very cool. Thank you. Thank you. And taking on that. new projects. Yes, like like this one. This one is something like that one. I've uh, been wanting to do. Um, let's uh, maybe go over a little bit uh, about our uh, past collaborations. So Anthony and I, like I mentioned, uh, was uh, a collaborator on the Sound Painter with Chip Machine. That's a, pro- a, a project that uh, we yep. did together. Uh, he's also been a vocalist on two songs, technically, for Lunatic Rappers. The first one being Down a Thread, uh, which is a, a release off of uh, Rise from the Fire. And also, there's a lo-fi remix. So technically, you got two features, yeah. bro. Uh, same vocals, two features. And then, uh, as previously mentioned, he was a guest on Anime Podcasters. And he's also a voice for uh, uh, the character... Uh, the, the boss basically <laughs> in a uh, short audio play I made I produced called Get Back Here Hotshot which is basically a story about the podcasting dynamic between Hotshot and I where I'm basically a crazy person who only thinks about recording the show producing the show and he is subject to all of my insanities uh, I'll leave it at that it's a quick four episode listen it's uh, it runs under 15 minutes and uh, yeah. I had a great time producing it was a lot it. of fun <laughs> to be uh, to be recording that it, it was yes so many laughs so many it was great retakes because uh, of constant, you know, laughing and joking around. Um, yes, but yeah, it's absolutely. definitely an easy listen. Really funny, fun to listen to. Uh, you should go check it out. Thank you, thank you so much. All right, let's. That's enough with the stories. Let's get a little, little uh, technical here. Let's. Uh, I I always enjoy talking uh, technical stuff. This podcast is gonna be one where we focus more on the story and the career of people. But we'll mm-hmm. get audio nerdy once in a while here and there. I think it's uh, it never hurts. Yeah. Uh, so this is the uh, audio nerdy portion. I think it's important to uh, identify ourselves as to what we work with, uh, just to give you guys an idea of uh, of where we come from in, in that domain when we talk to other guests. So let's start with uh, with uh, what DAW we 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 work with yeah. um, in terms of uh, different audio tasks. Uh, Anthony, please uh, please let us know. Sure. Well, like I mentioned earlier, I started off using FL Studio, and that became my my go to DAW for a long time, a very long time, because I was I was only using Windows. And it was only when I started my program in university where I bought my first Mac and I just started using Logic. And now Logic is my go-to is my go-to DAW. And obviously, I I dabble in Ableton, Reaper, Pro Tools, and so forth. But Logic is definitely my uh, DAW of choice for the most part. Absolutely, especially for pr- so production. For- you know, for production for and composition, production. right? Composition—that's what I mean. Composition uh, for sound design it's probably it would probably be somewhere more towards Reaper or Ableton. Okay, very nice. Or I probably go back to FL Studio from time to time. I think that falling back on FL Studio is never bad because, like, the guy yeah. who produces uh, Under God, the guy who produces the beats for um, for Lunatic Rappers, works exclusively in uh, FL Studio. It's uh, underrated. I think that people hear FL Studio and they yeah. go, "Oh, pff, amateur." Yeah. But it's underrated. There's a lot of a fantastic work that you can do it has definitely grown as a daw it's gotten better over time and as i'm reading uh, right uh, as we're recording this i think i saw uh fl studio uh, 20 came out i think yeah it came out it's uh, like, a couple uh, years ago so now it works both with mac and pc so that's why i go back to it from time to time mm-hmm. yes so my daw of choice i work uh basically i work mainly in two daws um, Reaper is one of them, but way more Pro Tools. Uh, coming from the studio world, um, I had to breathe and live Pro Tools. So, and I got uh, taught and, and uh, really rubbed my knuckles hard against Pro Tools to learn how to use it and how to work it. Because um, I know the sentence I'm going to say is going to piss off like half of the audience, but it walk into any professional studio and likely they are using Pro Tools. Yeah. It is considered the industry standard for that. I understand that opinions may differ on that, but uh, it's a language that you need to learn how to speak uh, if you 
want to really work in the studio world. And uh, yeah, I agree. when I left the studio, I knew that uh, Pro Tools was like, I had to stick with it. So I got myself a, a license for it and uh, I use it for all everything that's a uh, podcast, audio book, uh, that that domain uh, mixing as well. I use it for lunatic rappers. I use it for my electroacoustic compositions. I use it because I, uh, in electroacoustic studies, we use something called Amadeus. And the way uh, you would uh, apply effects, uh, it was uh, like a clip. You would apply the effect to the clip. There's no like way to insert an effect on a track. Yeah. It's not even a DAW. It's an audio editor. Yeah. And uh, what is great about Pro Tools is Pro Tools has a function called audio suiting. And audio suiting is just uh, you render uh, a new clip with the with the effects. You know, if you normalize something, it will like uh, you can do that with the normalized plugin in Pro Tools and it will render it out with a new clip and I really got used to working like that with uh, Amadeus and I could do that in Pro Tools so yeah. I, I'm always following more on Pro Tools for most of the projects what I do uh, use uh, Reaper for is mainly my anime covers I have a template that like makes it really simple where I just feed feed in uh, the MIDI that I worked in uh, either in Sibelius or MuseScore when I'm doing my sheet music and then exporting the MIDI from that going into Reaper I have uh, my Arturia Piano VST that I use and then I, that you'll feed into a compressor which feeds into uh, with reverb sends and eqs and goes into my mix bus and it's it's a quick workflow uh for that so pro tools and reaper are the two DAWs that i really ho hover around and then for video stuff i go over to davinci resolve and the reason why is because davinci is really really efficient it works it was created by editors. You can tell you have different windows for your different productions. You know, you have an edit window, a cut window, a media pool, and it, you, it, it's a step-by-step, stupid-proof way to work. And the amazing thing that I love is that all three of these softwares, I'm using all the same commands. I managed to import my Pro Tools commands to Reaper and my Pro Tools commands to DaVinci Resolve. So cutting is always the same button. Zooming out is always the same button. Fading in and out is always the same button. Uh, and that workflow allows me to be extremely quick when I'm working on different projects, you know? Yeah. How do I manage to run so many projects? It's because I have a system that works. Uh, I'm able to hop from software to software to easily do these things, you know, and I also use uh, OBS for screen recording and I use Synthesia for piano recording. Sometimes I hop into Reason a little bit for like weird uh, modular synth-based stuff where I use uh, Voltage Modular, which was free during the pandemic. I also work a lot in RX9 standalone uh, for the podcast. I have a, a module chain that I run all my audio through before uh, it hits uh, Pro Tools, you know. I do all my RXing prior to editing. So yeah, that's uh, my workflow personally. What about you? What's your workflow for uh, your productions? Uh, um, my workflow is is not as complex as yours, Jayan, but I would just use Logic for most of my my tracks. Unless I have to do something with to to create a, a sound effect, my mix chain in Logic. So I I would produce, then mix it as I'm going. I know you're not really supposed to do that, and then from there, well, if it works for you. You know, if it works, yeah. for you, it works for you, you know? Yeah, I guess it's just like a flow that I got used to where I'm just mm -hmm. mixing as I'm going, trying to right. keep a, a headroom of negative 6 dB. And then once I finish the track, I'll export all the instruments as uh, as a waves, uh, so stems, and uh, I would import it into a new Logic session or Reaper, and I'll, uh, I'll master yeah. it on that. Nice. Okay, very cool. Very cool. Um, let's talk about go-to plugins, uh, things that we enjoy using uh, when we mix, when we compose. You know, I... Uh I, I mentioned it earlier, Arturio Piano yeah. is one that I reach a lot uh, every week. But other than that, um, I've been a big fan of multiple different companies. Uh, so let's let, let's yeah. just finish with, with my composition. Um, so yeah, I, I, I use Omnisphere by Spectrosonics for a lot of my work just because it has everything you need. This uh, instrument, this virtual instrument has a megaton of 
synthesizers, guitars, vocals, pads, weird noise modulating bleep loops that you go. I can go forever. Um, one another uh, synth that I use is uh, Lion by Unfiltered Audio. I'm a big fan of the Unfiltered Audio stuff. I use Silo. I use Biome. I use Triad. I use all of these different uh, plugins that are fantastic. Uh, obviously, using the Archery of V Collection for my compositions. I dabble a little bit in Max MSP. I would say I'm a Max MSP beginner. I use uh, Voltage Modular too. Uh, and for some orchestra stuff, I'll reach to the BBC Orchestra stuff too. That's a uh, some good, 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 good uh, plugins over there too. Nice. And then more into what I mix with, uh, I use the Fab Filter stuff. I I got myself the Fab Filter mixing bundle, uh, Pro C, Pro L, Pro Q. These are literally plugins I use every day for the podcast, for uh, my mixes, everything. The Sound Toy stuff is great. The Valhalla stuff is great. Uh, Valhalla Vintage Ooh, Verb yeah. is a, is a one that you hear on all That's of my a piano big covers. One for me too. Uh, yeah, and then uh, Isotope. Uh, I use obviously RX. I use Ozone all the time uh, for my mastering. I use uh, Oak Sound Soothe all the time. I'm looking into getting Spiff uh, because I think it's uh, great. And uh, I use all some of the Hornet plugins as well. So yeah, that's kind of uh, real quick what I use in terms of plugins. What about you, Anthony? What plugins do you use? For me, my most basic go-to plugins are Isotope Ozone. I love that. That's my favorite. That's probably... I'll, Probably label that one number one right. next to the Valhalla vintage verb. Those two are definitely my two favorites. And as for like compression and delays and um, yeah, mostly compression and delays, I'd use the Archeria, uh, the VCA 65. And for the delays, I'll, I like the, the, the tape delay 201, the eternity delay. It's very cool to, to play around with. And the serum effects, those are very cool. Um, See, I haven't used the serum I, stuff, but I've always he- heard a lot of producer using them. Like, producers always drop yeah. serum. They're like, oh, yeah, that, that serum preset was great. You know, like, I've heard that many of times. Yeah. Yeah, you should definitely check it out because uh, it does sound incredible and it's a lot of fun to, to work with. And it's, you know, I mean, not that this matters to us, but it's easy to use. Um, mm-hmm. another one that I like last but not least is the RC20 retro color. So this, it just, Ooh, what's that? It adds a texture to, to your track. So like, for example, there's a vinyl, uh, sound. So you get the crackle, the VHS, you'll have, um, it, cause it has multiple components to it. So it has a noise, a distortion, a reverb all into one plugin. And it's really cool. And to be honest, I use, I use it mostly for the, for the presets, but, um, you know, there's some very cool presets that I, I like to use and put in the background, you know, at a, at a low wet volume, a low mix, just to add some color to my mix. Right. It sounds like it's something that recreates like vintage sounds. Yeah. That's what I'm getting from. Yeah, that's from exactly it. Me. That's exactly it. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. What about uh, gear wise? Uh, for me, like my basic setup right now, like I am on the verge of getting myself an SM7B. Okay. I am that guy. Right now, currently recording on AT2030 into a Discrete 4 Synergy Core using Fostex speakers. You know, yeah. that's kind of the basic setup of what I do, you know, running on a Windows computer. What about you? What's uh, what's uh, what's your go-to? Uh, for me, I'm, I'm running through my Allen and Heath. I think it's a Z10, but I can't remember exactly. Um, I'm, I'm using my Audio-Technica, the AT2020 as a microphone. And uh, for speakers, I have the Focal Alpha 40s or 50, sorry, Focal Alpha 50, I think, because I have a, another studio. And right now in my house here, I have my JBL 104BT. Nice. Right on, man. That's cool. 
I can't really have like powerful speakers in this house because I live in an apartment. So that's why I just have these. Uh, I feel you on that. JBL 104BT. Yeah, 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 totally. I totally, yeah. I totally understand. But the the focals, the the focal alpha 50s are very powerful speakers. I keep it at my parents' place, and when I go there, I'll have uh, I'll have those. Oh, I, I've heard our mixes play back on those things. Is yeah, they're, they're very very good. All right. All right. Very cool. That's basically a rundown of where we are technically. Uh, the purpose of this is just to give you an idea of where we come from, what we've touched, what we haven't touched yet, you yeah. know? And uh, I'm sure that the audio nerd, uh, the, the the few audio nerds, technical audio nerds in the audience will appreciate it. Um, all right. We have, uh, we have a tradition here on the podcast that basically every time we have a guest, we ask them a question. And this is going to be a question that I will ask Anthony yeah. and Anthony will ask yeah. me. And it could be one word. It could be one sentence. It could be a paragraph. You know, the answer is just what you feel in the moment of being asked the question. So, uh, Anthony, I will ask you this question and uh, please pour your soul out to me to the audience everyone here wants to know yeah what is your advice to people who want to get into the space of sound uh I would say make as many connections as possible get mm. to know as many people uh just so you can grow in, in the industry get to know people so you can have jobs lead to jobs and gigs lead to other gigs at right. least that's the case for DJing aspect but it it, it also applies for uh, the studio if you want to get into live sound and if you want to get into post-production. Right, 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 absolutely. Post-production is such a fantastic uh, field that I want to, well, I do, I am in it, you know, with doing the post-production for audiobooks, but I want to like, if I could do that for television, that would be a happy place for me as well. I could definitely see myself there. Yeah, what about you? What is your advice to people who want to get into the space of sound? Work hard, work harder than anyone else. Yeah. I will tell you this, in every program that I was in, I was never the most talented. People always had slightly better sounding mixes, slightly better sounding composition, yeah. slightly better mu film music. I was never the best one in that aspect. But I will tell you one thing. I was one of the, if not the hardest worker in every program I've been in. I'll tell you that with confidence. I attended all the lectures. I handed in all of my assignments on time. I always asked the questions. I always collaborated with people around me and I always took the most out of what was offered to me. And I still live by that because that is how I find myself in the position I am today. So that is my advice to you. That's perfect. Well said. Thank you so much. All right. Let's leave you on the very first five minutes of our very first guest-based episode of Soundspace. This is Casey Potius, someone that we are very good friends yeah. with who has done fantastic fantastic productions fantastic work and it's such an early portion of their life because yeah. they're younger than anthony yeah. and i and i still can't believe it this person has done so much in so little time and it's really an inspiring episode that i need you to listen to this is we're putting this up person first for a good reason trust me you do not want to miss yeah. this Enjoy the very first five minutes and make sure to follow us on all social media. Subscribe to us on any podcaster that you get your podcast in to not miss this episode. So for myself and Anthony, this has been an episode of Soundspace. Bye, guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Soundspace, the podcast where we interview audio people. Today, we have a very special guest for you. We have Casey Potius, hailing from St. John's, Newfoundland, and Labrador, a gender-fluid intermediate artist with deep knowledge in multimedia software. They have a Bachelor of Fine Arts in Electroacoustic Studies, currently completing a Master's in Music Tech at McGill, uh, has done classical training in piano and viola, was the principal violist for the Newfoundland Symphony Youth Orchestra, has experience with Electronic Works has collaborated with the Concordia Laptop Orchestra, Exit Point, and Fee Harmonique. 
a very talented multi-channel composer. I've got to listen to a bunch of their pieces before the podcast began and also has worked as a technical coordinator at Matrolab. How are you, Casey? I'm good. Thank you for coming on. I'm busy with the uh, the MFA, as, yes, you, I can, as you mentioned. Uh, yes, the MFA must be uh, very busy. Also with us is Anthony. How are you, Anthony? I'm great. Thank you very much. Very happy to have you all here. Uh, Casey, I'd like to begin by asking you uh, on this uh, podcast, uh, when did music become of importance to you? When did audio and music really play a factor and you knew that you would do music uh, as a career? I was really lucky. Uh, I mean, music's been a huge part of my life since the beginning, I, like literally <laughs> the beginning. I got to go to my first concert when I was six months old. It was a Fly right. Manco concert. Um, and I mm -hmm. just went to a lot of concerts uh, as a kid. Um, and then got to, I was lucky. Um, my mom had a Mac at home. So I started playing around with uh, some of the audio software, GarageBand, and a little bit of iMovie as well, and starting in right. Intermedia early too. Um, and like, I, I knew right away, you know, it was so much fun. Um, and then I, through the public school system, got started with uh, Viola, and then like really got excited by that, started doing it privately, and like originally sort of thought I was going to go into classical music um, and study that, and that was like really my focus. But then I, mm -hmm. I realized that um, as I got older, um, I started seeing other people were focusing in like the digital audio stuff professionally, and I uh, switched lanes and got into uh, the stuff at Concordia. Yes, yeah, so we'll definitely sure get, get to. Uh, there's definitely going to be a big uh, Concordia uh, portion in this episode. Uh, Anthony and I uh, met Casey at the Electroacoustic Program yes. uh, in Concordia, so uh, we could definitely uh, talk about uh, that. Sure, definitely. Um, well, w we met at Concordia. Actually, Casey, you were probably one of my first friends in the program. Likewise. Uh, so uh, describe your uh, experience concordia in electroacoustics program uh it was really great um it was yeah no like the the breadth of topics that we covered was really wide uh, in terms of like focusing on the ear and i mean all this stuff with uh electroacoustic composition uh music theory all those things uh and it's like a super intense yeah. program at the beginning uh and i was really lucky um me and anthony were one of the last years where uh, kevin austin was teaching everything uh True. in terms of the composition tutorials and also like the research writing portion of that course mm -hmm. um and i mean Kevin was a great teacher and like we really got along well and I mean he was really willing to like push me to work like as hard as I could to like really get my compositions really up there and uh, I also was lucky that uh, Eldad Sabari um, who was the ear training professor um, and also worked with the laptop orchestra uh, we got along really well um, and I was able to do a lot of work uh, independent studies with him as well as uh, stuff with the laptop orchestra and so forth and then uh, I was also really lucky uh, Electroacoustics is it's a uh, it's in the Department of Fine Arts at Concordia, uh, as opposed to some of these other audio programs where you're in the School of Music. Uh, so right. when I knew that I really wanted to also uh, work on my skills in video and working with you know building electronics and so forth as well, I was able to uh, sneak into the the Intermedia Department and uh, start taking classes there. And I mean, really bringing up my skills in uh, both sides of things and took a little bit of math as well and was able to get in eventually through to music technology at McGill. Definitely. Oh, that's amazing. Before, yeah. before we hit on the McGill, because I definitely want to talk about that master's, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. which I applied to, I just want to say. Uh, <laughs> I uh, 
I really think you hit on, on something very, very important where I, I tell this a lot to Anthony and people around me that uh, being an audio is, per- is a, an audio person is important, but being a media person is even yes. more important and Definitely. having more than just audio under your skill set. Uh, can you expand on the importance of being a media person and what the difference is of being a media person and an audio person only? Oh, yeah. 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 Um, and I agree 100%. Um, so, I, I mean, you can really like really dig in and develop your your skills for music theory and what have you um but you know with a lot of the jobs that you're you're doing now um especially that uh i mean i know both me and jayan have had a lot of experience working with stuff for film stuff for television stuff for radio um and 